Hey, my name is Steve Wallen, and um, we are starting, or we're, we are continuing in this series that is a parenting series called Losing Your Marbles. It's mostly about parenting, but not completely about parenting. And I, I want you to know that I have a, a little bit of credibility. I have two kids. I have two girls. Uh, Gracie is 13. Audrey is 11. And, and I remember when Gracie was in preschool, uh, coming home one evening, and at our old house, we had a loft upstairs where the kids could play, and you could kind of hear what was going on while we, my wife and I sat in the living room. We were just sitting in the living room, kind of debriefing from our day, and I could hear Gracie upstairs, and she had some of her stuffed animals lined up on the loft, and she was playing school. She was in preschool, uh, so she was getting that experience, and she would bring that home, and she would take her stuffed animals and play school with them. And if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. And so she was uh, reciting some of the things that she's hearing at school. And so she was saying, uh, you're going to have homework. When you get into school, you're going to have homework, and you're going to need to go home and do that and then bring it back the next day. And she was talking about math and how to do addition. And then all of a sudden, she stops in the middle of this school presentation and says, Ugh, these kids are driving me crazy. <laughs> now, I don't know where she heard that. Probably at school, I'm guessing. Not from home, for sure. But it reminded me that our words matter, don't they? Our words matter. In fact, uh, last week, a week ago, before I preached this message at Carmel, I asked this question on Facebook. I said, tell me some words that someone spoke to you that changed the course of your life. And if you're thinking about that now, probably some words come right to your head. But I got great responses. There were some very encouraging words. Words like, you have value. You, know, you are loved. Uh, I had somebody say uh, that someone once, a friend of mine who's a pastor, said someone once asked them, have you ever thought about becoming a pastor? It changed the course of their lives. Yes, I'll marry you. Positive, encouraging words, right? Hey, um, my friend, my neighbor, uh, said somebody pointed out to her, hey, that guy would make a good husband for you, the guy she's married to now, right? That's encouraging words. Uh, you're pregnant. I, I realize that could go either way, but in this case, I think it was encouraging, right? It was a good, a good word, words that changed the course of your life. There were good words, encouraging words spoken. There were also hurtful words that were spoken that changed the course of people's lives. I I'm leaving. It's cancer. I just don't love you anymore. You know, in every area of our lives, the words we choose can make a huge difference in whether we build somebody up or tear someone down. Hey, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn them on, uh, open them, whatever you do, to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, you can scroll down to that, or you can, if you're the old-fashioned type, you can open the book and go to Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one of these uh, around you somewhere. If you don't own a Bible, if you don't have one at home, take this with you. It's our gift to you. We want you to be in the Word, reading with it. Ephesians 4 is on page 816 in this Bible. If you have your own Bible, um, I can't help you with the page number, but you know it's, it's in the back somewhere. Uh, Ephesians 4 is where we're going to spend most of the day. We're continuing this series called Losing Your Marbles. And, and, and while as parents we can sometimes feel like we're losing our marbles, if you were here last week, you know that's not what this series is about. As we talked about last week, each marble represents one week in the life of a child. And that means that every marble has seven days. There's uh, seven chances to have dinner together as a family. There's seven nights where you can choose to turn off the television and play a board game instead. You know, every marble has only one Saturday. Of course, every marble has only one Monday, so that's a good thing, right? Uh, so I want you to imagine that there's a jar on your kitchen counter like this, a jar full of marbles, 936 marbles to be exact. 
Why 936? Well, as the video said, you know, that's the number of weeks there are, average number of weeks there are from the time a child is born until they graduate from high school. And each time one week goes by, every Saturday, you take a marble out of the jar and you throw it away. It's gone. Every Saturday, it's gone. It doesn't matter what we do or what we don't do. It doesn't matter how we spend our time each week. Every week, we lose one of our marbles. And one day, they'll all be gone, all 936 of them. Now, I know, and I've heard this week, some of you say things like this. You know what? My kids are grown and out of the house, but parenting never stops. And I know that. I understand that, right? Or uh, I, I, I know some, some of you are probably thinking, you know what? My kids are in preschool, and I'm ready to start taking out marbles by the handful and throwing them away, right? Or uh, some people are thinking, my kids are in those uh, teenage years. They're suffering from teen angst, and I'm really ready to just dump out the jar, right, and let them go. You know, fly, be free. It's your time to go. But so much of this series is about taking advantage of the time we have or the time we have left with our kids at home when we as parents have the most influence on them. Would you agree that the time when they are under our roof is when we have the most influence? And even though parenting never ends, uh, we have less and less influence the further they get from us. And that's what this series is about. And for some of you here today, you've got a new baby or you've got young kids and you've got a great big jar of marbles left. But maybe they're in high school or they're getting ready for college and you only have a few marbles left. My oldest daughter, Gracie, is 13, and if this were my jar up here, it would be two-thirds empty. That really rocked my wife's world last week when I told her that. Uh, people, you hear people say all the time, you know, where did the time go? If you're a parent, think about how much you've thought about or said, gosh, they're growing up so fast. I can't believe they're five already. I can't believe they're 10 already. I can't believe she went to prom last night. I, I can't believe how fast my kids have grown up. And, and maybe if your kids are gone or out of the house, you sit up and you look at old photos or old scrapbooks and you have probably a mixture of emotions, don't you? You think about, man, those were some good times, but then also, what could I have done differently? How could I have made things different? Well, what we're gonna talk about today, just like last week, is clearly going to apply to every mom and dad here, but there's also something to take away for every one of us in relationships we have with kids around us. Even if we're not parents or not parents yet or our kids are grown, we all have kids around us. So maybe you hope to be a parent one day. Maybe you've got a special niece or nephew in your life or it's a neighbor kid that God has placed intentionally in your life. Maybe it's a grandchild or if your kids are grown and out of the house. These principles that we're going to discuss this week and next week and that we discussed last week can make a huge difference in your relationship even with your grown son or daughter. You might just have to use your imagination a little bit, okay? In fact, when I was preparing this message, uh, this is what was convicting to me. I do a pretty good job with my kids. I, we're not perfect parents by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, we make mistakes, and uh, my daughters, if they were here, they would tell you that. They would be honest with you about that. Um, but I'm pretty good and intentional about reminding them uh, how they're loved, reminding them, give, using encouraging words, reminding them who they are in Christ, but I'm surrounded, at my house especially, but even at church as well, by kids that don't belong to me. I mean, our house seems to be the gathering place for all of the kids in the neighborhood. On my street, there are 23 kids. And sometimes I feel like all of them are in my house and they've brought friends. Um, and, and so many times, the only things I'll say to them are when they're screaming too loud or they're jumping on the couch. 
And so I was reminded this week that even with the kids around me, I have to choose my words in a way that can help make a difference. In fact, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, there are so few of us around these days. You know, we're in a culture where it's not really popular to be a follower of Jesus. And some of the kids around you, you may be the only light they see any day, all day. And so your words carry even more weight than you recognize. And so here's why this is so important. Every single one of us has a chance, an opportunity with every marble we've been given, every week we've been given with a child to make the difference in the life of that child. And so today what we want to talk about is how we can make a difference with the words we speak. Because all of us, parents, grandparents, neighbors, friends, Gen Kids volunteers, we, have an, we can have an impact on a child with our words. Well, what's the big deal about words? I don't think I need to explain this. I think you know this. If you thought a minute ago when I asked about words that changed the course of your life, all of us probably have an example of that, right? An example of uh, words that were encouraging words that got you through a difficult season. They were maybe empowering words that helped you to take on a task or a challenge that you wouldn't have tried otherwise that maybe made a difference in your life. Maybe they were timely words spoken at just the right moment, just when you needed to hear them. And on the other side of the coin, most of us can point to a time in our lives where we were wounded by words, right? Wait, words that, that cut like a knife, words that left us wounded and hurt, and some of us still hear them replayed in our head over and over again. Well, I want to look at some wisdom today about words. It's from a man who wrote uh, some of the most read and repeated words in history. The Apostle Paul was a man who, uh, for a while, did everything in his power to stop the spread of Christianity. Uh, He persecuted Christians. He helped kill Christians. But then Jesus spoke some words to him that changed the course of his life, and he became one of the greatest evangelists of all time. In fact, uh, Paul started churches all around the known world in the first century. And after starting all of these churches, Paul kept in touch with them by writing letters to them. Uh, He spent um, much of his adult life in prison, his later life in prison, for trying to spread the gospel. And uh, many of these letters that he wrote were captured by historians, and many of them exist even today in our Bible. They occupy a place. In fact, about half of the books in the New Testament were actually written by the Apostle Paul, and they're letters that he wrote to these churches. And, And one of those letters in this book is the book of Ephesians, Uh, where our key scripture comes from today. And so Ephesians 4 is where we are. Hopefully you're there now. Ephesians 4.29 says this. I'm going to spend a lot of time on this verse. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so there's a couple of key points in this verse that I want to point out. Uh, Number one, Paul says, do not let... Now, when he says that, what he means is that we have a choice in the words we speak, right? And this isn't just talking about kids. He's talking about, you know, all people here. But he says, do not let, which means that we have a gateway here, (laughs) that that we can choose to let words come out of our mouth that are wholesome or that are unwholesome. And Paul says, you shouldn't let any of the unwholesome out. Now, he says, do not let any That word any means any. Do not let any, he says, uh, your version may say, let no, none, zero, 
right? Now, Paul's talking to Christians. Remember, he's writing to the church, and so he says, uh, if you're a Christian, you should let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. This is convicting for me because I sometimes let unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. I sometimes joke in a way that probably isn't appropriate. I sometimes say words behind people's back that might disparage them. And I feel guilty about it later, but I still do it at the, in the moment. I think all of us could do a better job of controlling our tongue. But Paul says, you know what? If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Let me ask you a uh, quick pop quiz. How much unwholesome talk should you let come out of your mouth? None, right? Zero, none. Do not let any unwholesome talk. Now, Paul says don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So uh, what if we thought of our words like toothpaste, right? Toothpaste is a, a good thing. I have this in my house. Hopefully you do too. Uh, toothpaste, when it's used carefully and cautiously and intentionally, does good work, doesn't it? Keeps your mouth fresh and clean. If you're going to come talk to me after the service, you will have hoped that I've used toothpaste this morning. I encourage all of you at some point today to use toothpaste. It's good. It's healthy. It's necessary. And when used in the proper way, it's healthy for us, right? Words are the same way. But what happens if I were to do this? If I were to be unintentional in my use of toothpaste, it just I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold this up. It makes a big mess, right? Our words are like that, too. When we are careless in the way we use words, we end up making a big mess with our words. And, and words and toothpaste have one other thing in common, and it's this. Uh, once this toothpaste is out of here, I don't think I can get this back in. Our words are like that, too. Once our words are spoken, we can't get them back. We can apologize. We can say we were sorry, we can tell them we didn't really mean it or we were just kidding, but, but the truth is that once those words are gone, they're gone. Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And he goes on to say, but only what is helpful. So he doesn't just tell us what not to do, all right? He tells us what to do too. He says, but only what is helpful for building others up. So in our words, we want to build others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So how can we build our children up with our words? Well, I think the key is right here in this verse, according to their needs. So Paul is saying we need to choose our words according to the needs of the people we're talking to, according to the needs of the children we're talking to. If we want to be people who make a lasting and positive impact on the kids in our lives, an impact they will remember long into adulthood, just like you, if you're an adult, remember the words someone spoke to you one day, we need to learn to speak words according to the needs of the kids around us. What if every week we took time to consider the needs of our kids or the needs of our kids, the kids around us, before we spoke to them? What if we push the pause button long enough to think, what's my daughter dealing with this week? What else in my son's life, what else in that neighbor's life are going on? What, what is he anxious about? What is she nervous about? What is she excited about? What 
gets him up out of bed in the morning? What's, what's, what if we thought about our child's needs before we chose to speak the words to them? So if Paul says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, that means that there must be wholesome talk, right? If we're not supposed to use unwholesome talk, we should use wholesome talk. And so I got thinking as I was preparing this message, what does wholesome talk look like? What does it mean to use wholesome talk? Well, I think there are three things. And if you picked up a card with the message notes on it and you want to take notes, these are on there. There are three things, at least that I could think of, that wholesome talk looks like. Number one is this. Wholesome words are encouraging words. Wholesome words are encouraging words. Sometimes the kids we love need encouraging words. It's a tough world out there. It's not easy being a kid. My my daughter Grace reminds me all the time. She says, Dad, you have no idea what it's like to grow up in this century. (laughs) She's right. I mean, I have never grown up in this century. But, I mean, talk about a way to make a parent feel old, right? But most of us, if we're parents, we have no idea what it's like to grow up in this century. I don't. But do you know what kind of disappointment and heartbreak a kid in your life might be walking through right now? They might be seemingly small rites of passage, uh, things like uh, loss of a stuffed toy or an animal or a toy that they had. Uh, Could be lunchroom drama. You know, well, she used to sit with me, but now she sits with her, and they're best friends, and we used to be best friends, but now she's got another best friend, so we can't be friends anymore. And as a parent, you just want to say, just grow up. But you can't because they're not growing up. Maybe it's not making the baseball team or not making the travel team. Maybe it's the breakup of a junior high romance. And you know, as a parent, you know it wasn't going to last. But you can't tell them that, right? Because it's heartbreaking. It's their world. Or maybe it could be bigger, life-altering stuff like a divorce in the family, a move to a new city, a betrayal of trust, a friend spreading gossip. And so for, in those cases, maybe encouraging words are very simple. They're things like, hey, have I told you today how much I love you? You know, it might be stopping in the middle of what you're doing, especially if they're little, and, and singing them a song or, or taking time to compliment what they're working on. You catch a child doing something right. Kids need encouragement. They need encouragement in the moment more than we think they do. In fact, the late uh, founder of Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy, was asked one time in an interview, he says, how do you know, how can you tell if someone needs encouragement? And Truett Cathy answered, you can tell someone needs encouragement if they're breathing. Right? We all need encouragement. Kids need encouragement. I remember as an adult, probably 30 years old, my dad coming to me. Uh, my dad, who always set really high expectations for me. My dad, who, when I was in school, if I got a C on my report card, uh, there was going to be a discussion. My dad came to me at 30 years old and said, Steve, I just want you to know, you fulfilled every expectation I had for you. This was before I was a pastor. (laughs) You fulfilled every expectation I had for your life. You you don't have anything else to prove to me. I want you to know that I'm proud of you and and I love you. And talk about as an adult what that did for me, how that encouraged me. I mean, he waited until I was 30, but I still carry those words around with me even today. How could you With this week, this marble, how could you offer encouraging words to a child in your life according to their needs? But wholesome words aren't just encouraging words. Sometimes wholesome words are empowering words. Wholesome words are empowering words. These are words that give your child the courage to step up and stand out. You know, last year during a series called uh, Teach Your Children, 
we talked about the value of, say, of the four most important letters you can say to your child. I don't know if you remember that, but we talked about the four most important letters you can say to your child. You remember these letters, I, C, N, U? Remember those letters, I, C, N, U? We think about the child in your life, the dreams they have, the, the things that they want to do, what they want to accomplish, you know, what they want to be when they grow up. Maybe it's a niece or nephew, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's your own child. Maybe it's a, a kid that you see wandering around the cafe here and they seem a little lost. You only see them when they bump into you uh, in the cafe or they steal that last bagel that you had your eye on. But they've got dreams, they've got aspirations, they've got things that they want to do. And your words could give them the courage to step out and try something they wouldn't otherwise try. Empowering words, I like to look at them, they're like the net under a tightrope. Right? They, they don't really do anything for you, but they give you confidence to go for it in the first place. Now, don't confuse uh, empowering words with unnecessary praise. This isn't about telling your kid they're awesome at everything when they aren't awesome at everything, Okay. Uh, encouragement is good. We just talked about that. But sometimes they need that, but other times they need empowerment. Now, our goal with empowerment isn't to make our kids feel good about themselves. It's about helping them to see God's work and the potential that they have inside of them. Now, I've heard it referred to as specific praise. So, uh, empowering words might look like this. I love your creativity. I love how you always think outside the box empowering words. You're encouraging them to, to try something new. You know, you're so respectful to other kids. That's going to be really important in your life. You know, you're empowering them to compliment people. Maybe it's like this. I love how inquisitive you are. Moms of toddlers, if you have toddlers, uh, your toddler is always asking, why? 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 And you just want to say, because I said so, right? But don't you love how inquisitive they are? That's how they learn. They're learning from that. And when you answer them, when you take the time to answer them with empowering words, they're learning. They're learning about their world and how it works and why it works the way it works. And what if you just said, hey, I love how inquisitive you are. Maybe that would stop the wise too. I don't know. Uh, you really did well in that situation. That might be a spiritual gift for you. Empowering words. Hey, I know that homework is hard but I want you to know that I believe in you. You're a smart kid. I know you can do this. Empowering words. Is there a kid in your life whom you feel God has placed there just so you could help empower them? Maybe you just need to sit down with him or her, buy him a Coke or a juice box or whatever it is they drink and look into their eyes and say, you know what? I see in you someone with great potential. I see in you a great work that God wants to do. I see in you someone who could make a real difference. That, that, that could be life-changing for a child. You might be the only one speaking those words into their lives. What empowering words could you offer a child this week with this marble according to their needs? But wholesome talk aren't just encouraging words, and they aren't just empowering words. Sometimes children need correction, right? And so sometimes wholesome words are exhorting words. Wholesome words are exhorting words. Now, that word exhorting is a little bit strange. We don't hear that a lot, uh, but it serves a purpose. It has the meaning I wanted, and it starts with an E, and so we're just going to go with it, all right? We, we don't use that word exhortation a lot. Exhorta to exhort means to strongly urge 
or to give warnings or advice. Now, exhorting words aren't as much fun as encouraging words or empowering words. In fact, this is actually the hardest category, I think. This third one, exhorting words, are the hardest category to use, and here's why. Uh, Exhorting words aren't scolding words. You know, my tendency as a parent, I don't know about yours, but my tendency is when I see something my child is doing wrong, I want to fix it. But, But the words that immediately come to my mind might not be exhorting words, right? They may not be seeking to urge or influence at all. They might be commanding words. Hey, you need to stop that right now, right? Not an exhorting word. They might be damaging words. You know, Proverbs 18.21 reminds us this, that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. All of our words, but especially our exhorting words, okay, but all of our words have the power of life and death. And so many times because of time or because we've got to be about our business or heightened emotion or whatever other reason, we choose to speak words of death to our children instead of words of life. And, and the very words meant to influence them and, and gently nudge them back onto the right track can actually push them away if we're not careful. So let me give you a couple of examples of words that are not exhorting words, okay? These are not exhorting words. I'm going to count to three. Not an exhorting word, right? Wait until your father gets home. Not exhorting words. Why don't you ever... Why do you always, why can't you be more like not exhorting words? Or my personal favorite, I brought you into this world. (laughs) Exhorting words are simply speaking the truth in love in such a way that it can change the trajectory of a child's life. It's connecting cause and effect. Hey, when you did this, it caused me to feel that. When you did that, it caused your sister to do this. Do you see how those two things are connected? It's helping them understand their words and their actions have consequences. When when you speak to your sister like that, it makes her do this. And now this isn't some like mamby-pamby type of parenting where we replace discipline with a firm, no thank you, right? That's not what this is about. This is about having the courage to have a conversation with your child about what they did wrong and why it was wrong and how they should fix it. Now, but it's not a conversation that can come out of emotion, all right? So many times, the reason we go wrong in this is that we start to correct our child while our emotions are still high, right? We do that out of emotion. If you find yourself at any time screaming at your child, uh, those aren't words of exhortation, right? I know you're tired. I know she never wants to eat what you serve her for dinner, right? I know he never wants to get dressed. He'd always rather go to school naked. I get that, right? I, I know that he screams every day when you dress him. I know she never, ever, ever does her chores without you asking at least three times. But it doesn't make it better to scream even if, and especially if, your child is screaming. It only makes it worse. I know it's hard, but I want to let you in on a little secret. In this exchange with your child, something to remember. You are the adult. You're the adult, and and the words you say and the tone you take and the attitude you have will set the tone for how things go in your household. Spoken in love, words of exhortation may be exactly what a child in our life needs this week. You know, as we close, I want to ask you one more question. 
Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard for us to speak words of encouragement, to speak words of empowerment, to, to be corrected in a way that exhorts our children? I, I think for many of us, we never had that example. You know, so many of my generation and the one before mine and even many of the one that's come after me didn't have parents who rather regularly spoke words of life to their children. And maybe you think back to your childhood and that's you, that's your story. You never had anyone speak to you like that. Maybe you never had an example of someone who spoke wholesome words to their kids. Well, I want you to know that you have a heavenly father that loves you very much. And, and all throughout his word, he has wholesome words to say about you. And so even if you never had an earthly example, you have a heavenly father that loves you and that speaks exhorting words and encouraging words and empowering words to you. Words like this, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That word you is in there so many times. It's about you. Like Psalm 139 says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Or like this, Psalm 149, it says, For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. That's about you. He delights in you. He has plans for your life, maybe greater plans than you have for your life. He, he thinks about you all the time. That's your heavenly father. Those are the words he says to you. But here's the cool thing about our God. He's not just a God of words. He's a God of actions. And in fact, he didn't just give us words. He gave us the word. You know, John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then it says, and the word made its dwelling among us. The word was Jesus, and he left a perfect heaven to come to earth to live as a human and to show us how to live our lives. He was rejected and mocked and beaten and crucified. He took on punishment we deserve. He died a death that I deserve. He died so that we might be free, but he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he was raised from the grave. He defeated death to show that we can over, he can overcome anything in our lives that's hard. And after spending some time on earth, he ascended into heaven where today he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he's there today, and he's waiting for you to call on him for help. And he is a real person who lived a real life on earth, and he's alive and active today, and you can have a relationship with him. I talked to him this morning. He's there. You can talk to him today. He, he came to earth so that you and I could find our way back to God. And with a father like that, out of the overflow of that love, how could we not allow him to work in our hearts and work in our lives to bring more wholesome words to you as you speak to your kids or the kids around you? More words of encouragement, more words of empowerment, more words of exhortation. We don't have much time. Every day that goes by, we are losing our marbles. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for the example that you set for us and how to be a father and how to be a parent that speaks uh, words of encouragement, words of empowerment, words of exhortation. God, it is so hard for us sometimes out of our flesh to, to be an encouraging parent, to speak life, to... to 
even think about the kids around us and think that we have a responsibility. But Lord, we know that you've given that to us. And for, I want to speak just for a moment. I'm praying for the Christians in the room, for those who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. It is our responsibility, Lord. We take on that responsibility today. We claim that. We commit that responsibility that we are to speak life into our kids and the kids around us. Lord, would you help us with that? We need your Holy Spirit to help us with that. We know that he dwells inside of us and he lives inside of us and he can give us those words. He can calm our hearts even in those difficult situations. We need that. And Lord, for those that are here that don't have that relationship yet and they're hearing this and that's a nice idea, but I don't know what to do with that. Lord, I just pray that even now you would be reaching out to them. You would be showing them the love that you have for them. Even maybe through the words that I read there at the end, that they could see that those words are about them. That those words that you have a plan for their life. That you love them, that you think about them all the time. That you delight in them, Lord. I just pray that that would draw them to you, draw them into a relationship with you, God. We need you. We need you here today. We need you in our lives. We need your Holy Spirit in this place. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.